What's up, everybody? I'm Chad Brock. <laughs> I'm Zach Bailiff. Welcome to this week's episode of the Orion Podcast. Button, I the want button. to make sure you heard it tonight. Ironically, it sounded quieter than normal. Yeah, there you go. Welcome back, everybody, to the bi-weekly edition of the Orion Podcast, the cooler podcast telling even cooler stories brought to you by the good folks at Jackson Kayak. For all your cooler and kayak needs, check us out at jacksonkayak.com. Pay the bills. Yeah. Pay the bills. Little, First line. little housekeeping. A little housekeeping, gotta have it. We got the moose tonight. You're uh, on babysitting duty. I'm on babysitting duty. We've got the got little Polly Gray hanging out with us tonight. So if you hear uh, if you hear a little bit of <laughs> and a uh, little <laughs> across the floor, yes, the Bernadoodle is in the house. So uh, anyway, you made it back to PAIC. Yeah, yeah, we're we're back. It uh. It's always a long trip, but rookie over here. Rookie. It was first first episode. <laughs> it was good to be home. It's good to catch some fish and check trail cams and put out mineral and all that good stuff. We did don't get a fishing. Don't get to do it often enough, but no, and you know, fishing season's gonna get behind us and then I'm gonna have to go help you. So yeah. payback's coming. I'll take help. I'll take payback's help. coming. Chris Funk gives us the, uh, hey, you guys. <laughs> Scale of one to ten, how would you rate the Goonies? Oh, man. It's about as close to ten as you're going to get for the for the I classic movie weird. scale. I'd give it a solid nine. I don't know if I'd yeah, give it a ten. Yeah, it's up there. It's up I'm, there. I'm a I'm a top gun person, so yeah. that's kind of, Duke's a hazard. Top, top gun, tombstone, Duke's. Yeah. Jason Cassidy says, what's up, boys? What's popping, dude? Welcome. I have welcome. static again. Yes, you have static again. I wasn't going to say anything. Well, I don't <laughs> know what to do. Chris Funk says the Goonies is borderline 11. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's borderline it's 11. Uh, it's up there. It's up there. It is my dad's favorite movie. He actually has the movie poster hanging in downstairs on the way down to their basement so i don't know how this translates into the orion podcast coolers or anything else that we have going on but the goonies was a good movie it was a good movie let us know in the comments over here how do you rate the movie the goonies we want to know we'll tally this up at the end of the uh end of the episode it's funny. This is the second time I've had this conversation about movies from that era this week. So, well, you know, it's hard to beat classics. Nostalgia. Yeah. We did. I mean, we're talking about movies. We went and seen Thor: Love and Thunder. There was love and there was thunder. It's all I'm gonna tell you. It's all I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> I've heard mixed reviews on that one. So. I'm I'm mixed on it. It was good. It was it was all right. You know. Every now and then you got to have a date night during fishing season, and this weekend uh, it was date night. So my boats, yeah. uh, my boats didn't leave all weekend. My fishing rods didn't get didn't get touched, and you know wow. we had a. You left. We fished Monday. 
you left. Then we had a river tournament on Wednesday. And to be honest with you, that's a river tournament. I'm going to try to forget because we did everything but sink the boat. And we tried that pretty hard on the way back to the boat ramp. <laughs> We're lucky to have a prop. So, oh man. But uh, anyway, without further ado, let's, uh, let's get into this thing tonight. Zach, I want to let you introduce tonight's guest. Yeah, tonight's guest, man. He's, he's a guy I followed for a while now, a uh, number of years. I, I, you know, I really appreciate the work that he puts out. And uh, he's a husband, father, business owner, and entrepreneur, inventor, photographer, writer. He's a backcountry bow hunter and overall adventurer. Um, he's always out there, you know, showing us what he sees through the lens of his camera. And it's, it's awesome. Um, Brad Bohm guys he he spends a ton of time in wild places and he's with us tonight to talk a little bit about that how we doing well, fred good good thanks guys for having me on appreciate it hey yeah, we, appreciate we appreciate you, you taking uh, the time being sure. here about this podcast that started off the weirdest it's ever started off we're talking about movies and stuff <laughs> <laughs> you never know where it's gonna go no it's no that's well, good it's good we're that last real. week we were talking about or two weeks ago we were talking about music so we're, we're quite literally that Instagram reel that floats around that says, the doctor said, I got 80 of them. And I don't know what HD is, but I got 80 of them. That's <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, man. Oh, gosh, man. So oh, Fred, to, go ahead, Zach. Kicking this thing off, we were just chatting a little bit a second ago. You and the family last fall sold the house, jumped in the in a camper and did life on the road for a while. Tell us a little bit about that and the, the challenges and, and how everybody <laughs> adapted and how they enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it was, uh, um, I don't know. I don't know where we came up with the idea for it, but I think we were just kind of getting tired of, um, city life. You know, we're, we're from, uh, families all in Denver and, uh, just got to be a little bit too much. And, you know, we said like, uh, we, we got the company that I own, uh, to the, to the position where, I could work from anywhere. You know, we, mm -hmm. we set it up where as long as I had an internet connection. So I needed that every day. So that was one of the problems I needed to solve was just to make sure I had an internet connection. So I could, you know, keep in contact with my customers, my manufacturers on and on that type of thing. So once that was solved, yeah, it was just kind of like, you know, let's, let's see where we want to move next. And a great way of doing that is doing a hunting road trip. So we started, it was right about October 1st and we did five months on the road. And a lot of it was upland hunting, ton of it was bow hunting. Um, it was a mixture of everything. And, you know, it's, it was me, my wife, I got two young kids, you know, uh, well at the time they were four and six and, uh, and then our two bird dogs. And we packed all that into a truck and a, uh, 30 foot camper. And we just, we just hit the road. I don't know. Just said the hell with it and give it a <laughs> shot and jumped out there. And, you know, the kids were young enough at that, at that point where we could homeschool our oldest one. Um, you know, it was just a good experience because COVID was crazy anyway in the city and they were going to school, then they weren't going to school and it was online. Right. And so we're like the hell with that, you know, let's, let's, uh, and we could show them a lot more, you know, seeing a bunch of the U S and you know, they get mm -hmm. a ton of experience out of that. So, I don't know, we just took a chance. We did it. And it was absolutely awesome. So, and <laughs> hunted a ton. And then we found the place that we wanted to settle down. So, uh, uh, yeah, it worked out. Yeah. That's, Woo. I don't know if you hear that awesome. thunder I mean, in no the background. One, it's no blowing one, up here. Look. Yeah. <laughs> Storming. I, I just saw the, I just saw the radar out there. So it's, yeah, we're, we're gonna <laughs> I know what you got right coming. Now, so if I lose power, you know, <laughs> I apologize. Yeah. We will make do, but. How, uh, I mean, little kids can be a challenge sometimes, but they're always pretty adaptable. Two littles and two dogs. I'm sure that was pure chaos in a, in a camper. On the road. It was, but you know what? We started them off young. So our kids like, uh, right off the bat, I think my son was a couple months old and, uh, and grouse season was coming in. So I threw him, you know, in a backpack and I worked the dogs, my wife would hunt and, you know, he was only a couple months old at this point. So there was never... Maybe our, yeah, we raised our kids right from the get-go that we travel, we, we do things, we get in the outdoors, we made it their normal, you know, so mm -hmm. it wasn't all of a sudden at five years old, they're like, whoa, what is this? Like, what, you know, we're right. in the car for 12 hours, you know, when we're driving in between locations, they got used to it. They know, they know what we do. So, uh, it yeah. was, you know, it, it was, they were used to it by the time we hit this road trip, but no, it, I mean, 
I'm not going to say it's smooth sailing by any means. I mean, dude, they're still two young kids and they, it's, it's a boy and a girl. So they're fighting with each other. And uh, I don't know, you know, but it was 99% awesome. And then that 1% chaos. Uh, and it was yeah. worth it. You know, the, the memories are phenomenal. And there's times where you got up tight and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to choke somebody. <laughs> you, know, you, you know that you're going to look back at that time and be like, this was one of the coolest times in our life. So, you know, that helped a lot as well. We knew we were building like really cool memories. So, right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. When the, when the chaos and the struggles are just a minute portion of it, you know, it's, it, it makes it all worth it for sure. Yeah. And it'll be stories to tell for a long, long time. Oh, not yeah. just a short time. Now, obviously you're in the mountains every chance you get chasing critters of all sorts. Um, how did uh, let's back up and kind of talk about how you got into hunting and what was your inspiration that uh, that got you there? Did you grow up with it or was you introduced later or how did it come to be? Yeah, no, I, I think it was like the, the typical hunter. My father, you know, brought us up, me, my brother and my sister. We were always in the woods, whether it was hunting or, you know, fly fishing or whatever, just going out in the woods, hiking. You know, we did a bunch of camping, that type of thing. So I was always in the woods as a kid. You know, I was, I never really sat behind, you know, played video games or watched too much TV. We had enough property, you know, I was an East coaster originally, but we had enough and my cousins lived close by. So we were out, you know, adventuring, running around, making forts, you know, tree houses, all that type of stuff. So we we're always outside. Um, you know, and that, that just, you know, I, I went away from hunting for, uh, quite a long time. You know, once you get into those teenage years, you rebel against everything. You know, I got real into rock climbing and that's actually why I moved out West, um, was to pursue that. And, you know, it's just essentially, a, you know, a climbing bum for a ton of years, just traveling everywhere, doing that. And then it was mountain biking, but, oh, I don't know, maybe about 10, 12 years ago, I fell back into hunting. You know, you always kind of go back to your roots, whether, you know, you know it at the time or not, you, you tend to do that. Um, and then the mountains was, you know, whether I was out rock climbing or mountain bike, I was always in the mountains. So it was just a natural thing to get into the back country. Um, you know, I just, wasn't too into the whole truck hunting and, and that type of thing. Uh, it just, it felt more natural to be out uh, in the middle of nowhere chasing animals. So, you know, that's kind of what I did and it's what I love to do. Yeah. It's a special place out there in the back country. You know, I mean, there's, there's so many things that we get to experience when we're out there, whether it's just, you know, a day trip, couple of days, extended trip that so many folks in this world are never going to get to see just because they won't, I mean, they, they're not going to be out there to experience it. Well, that's it. I mean, what else gets you out there? Even when I was mountain biking, right? So I was on single track. You're on a trail the whole time. So you were seeing things that everybody else saw. Rock climbing, not so different. You know, you were going to a cliff in a certain area. But hunting, like you literally just like, I don't know, you get up on top of a mountain and an elk starts to bugle in whatever direction and you just chase it. Like you see so many cool things out there that, you know, if, if I wasn't chasing animals, I wouldn't do that on my own. You know what I mean? I wouldn't yeah. just go like, oh, this is a cool mountain. Let me just walk in random <laughs> directions for the next, you know, 10 days. Like that wouldn't happen. So. And, you, and you shouldn't do that. That's how you can get lost. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's just go walk and pitch off this rock face yeah. here and see where it goes. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and then turn around. And I, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's definitely a catalyst to adventure. There's no doubt about it. It gives you a reason, a purpose to be out there. Uh, and a lot of other cool things happen while you're there and you get to see a lot of cool things. And if you're into the photography, take pictures of a lot of other cool things. So it's, uh, yeah. it's a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times we've been packing meat back at, you know, 11 midnight, 2 a.m. And I wish there was a trail that we were on. <laughs> yep. It would have made it a whole lot easier. Oh, a little shoot. bit smoother climb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, no blowdowns and deadfall and all that good stuff. Yep. No, I mean, and that's just it. You know, we're hunters, so we're in the type two fun. You know, it's it's that whole thing when you're doing it half the time, you're miserable, but then afterwards you look at it and like, damn, that was really cool. So, yeah. you know, I think that's just part of all of us. So I don't know. Uh, this, the struggles make you, it makes you appreciate the the easy stuff and the good times, you know? Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> makes that meat taste better too. Oh, I think. Damn straight but... there. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you as much into the rifle hunting side of things? You are the archer. Or are you just kind of like me where you're just all in both feet, you know, I'm, I'm all in archery. You know, occasionally if, if I have some friends or, you know, a family back home that, you know, wants to get out and they're like, oh, I want to go on a, a, a elk hunt. It's like I'll point them towards rifle. Then I'll go out with them and you know, maybe I'll get a cow tag or something. But I mean, it's 95% right. archery. Um, and then upland, obviously shotgun. So 
right, uh, right. but do that a good bit as well. But for big game, no, it's it, it's pretty much all archery for sure. Yeah, it's it's kind of that uh, like what we just mentioned. You know, the struggle making it more more enjoyable, more worth it. Sometimes, you know, it's that's Some, the life okay. of an archer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They won't believe me. There's plenty of times I'm out there. I don't think if I just had a rifle, I would have been done on day one. And you know, but yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, it is part of the fun. It's part of the challenge. Um, I don't know. It's it's something about just being quiet out there and you're not hearing boom, boom, boom. You know, all over right. the place. You you feel like you have the place to yourself, whether you do or not. You know, that's that's right. Who knows? But yeah, it feels that way at least. Uh, you get you get the question sometimes. They're like, well, what's you know how how often are people successful or how often do they feel tags? And I'm like, well, the, the success rate in that unit's like 7% with archery equipment. They're like, what? I know. (laughs) Well, and especially when you talk to a non-hunter, it was funny. I was just having a a dinner the other night with one of my wife's friends and, you know, we we get that typical uh, hunting came up and you're like, yeah, you do that. You know, and then you start talking about that. They're like, well, you just go out whenever you want. Like, do you just leave them there? And you're like, oh God, so you had to go through that part of the conversation. Like, no, no, we actually eat these things. Everything we should yeah. But, you know, that being like, she thought like every time you go out, you just, you just killed something. You just shot something right. off the road. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let me explain something. There's days <laughs> I'm out there for 20 days and I may have one opportunity within those 20 days, depending on the animal and where you're at. Like, no, yeah. believe me. Yeah. Success is not guaranteed. So. No, no, that's, that's the least of uh, guaranteed things when you're out there. Absolutely. But, how many how many hunts or trips are you doing each year right now, kind of on average? Well, you know, it depends on tags, but there's a lot of OTC uh, stuff to fill in in between, and then uh, um, mm-hmm. upland as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll hunt pretty much. Uh, you know, it, it depends. Like if if um, antelope starting up, uh, depending on the state, I think it's August fifteenth in Colorado. Uh, so mm-hmm. they start up then, and then I would hunt through pretty pretty heavy all the way to the end of uh, um, the Arizona OTC deer season, uh, which is the end of January. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the middle of August, all the way to the end of January, then I'll, tr- you know, in the spring, I'll try to pick up other tags or sometimes we travel, you know, we've done Hawaii for a month at a time, uh, go down there with the whole family and then hunt that whole month or, uh, you know, I've done New Zealand and, but that's been a real pain in the butt last couple of years with COVID trying to get in there. Um, so that hasn't yeah. happened, you know, try to extend whatever I can, but then time summer hits as well, you know, you're scouting again. So mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really end, you know, if you could get a bear tag and, you know, maybe a turkey tag in the spring that kind of holds you over, uh, if you can't travel too far, but no, it's, you know, it, it's pretty much year round, Yeah, you know, find a way yeah, of making, getting out in the woods one way or another. Oh, absolutely. You know, if you do it the way you want to do it, it's, there's no off season, right? So there it is. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Hawaii, you mentioned Hawaii. That's one thing I would like to go do is is get down there and do an axis deer. I think that would be a blast. It's everybody talks about how much fun it is. It is. I mean, and I haven't hunted axis to tell you the truth. So every time we've been down, we've done two separate times, both about a month each time. And it's always been the big island. It's mm-hmm. uh it's a lot cheaper. Like, especially I'm going out with a family. So, you know, it's it's four of us. So we gotta get tickets right. for everybody. The big island's pretty cheap. You could, you know, Airbnb, VRBO, a uh, um a house and that's not too bad. And the rental is for a car is not too bad as well. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I've hunted that and there's a ton, it is a very target rich, you know, environment between yeah. goat, sheep and pig. Um, okay. you, know, you could really get after it. And, uh, I don't know, but I, yeah, I've heard the access as well. I just, you know, I haven't made it over to the other islands to be able to do that. And the big Island doesn't hold uh, access there. So. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll yeah, take well, you. I think is the one you always hear. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you're in a target rich environment, it makes you really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Especially when you, you get back out chasing elk or mule deer or something of oh, that yeah, sort. Yeah. You realize you, you thought you could that's a funny thing is you go to Hawaii and you're like, Man, I, I'm I'm pretty good at this archery thing. You're like, no, 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 no. You go back home and then you get on a mule deer in the high country, you're like, Oh god, I suck. This is no, I totally tricked myself in flying. Yeah. So, but it is, it's yeah. good, especially like, you know, if you, if you could do it, you know, like beginning hunters, holy smokes, you want to talk about being able to put on a ton of stalks a day. It's, it's a great way to advance your skills pretty quick. Just know it doesn't necessarily correlate when you come back over to <laughs> on some of the yeah. other animals, but yeah, but it's yeah, fun. I'd suggest everybody do it. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's definitely one that's on the list for sure. Now, for what sure. are, 
you're obviously out there hunting. You're you've got different trips and whatnot planned. How do you keep yourself in tune? How do you stay in shape for these? I mean, obviously, I know Zach. He's he's working out constantly. You know, to get ready to go out to Colorado and all that. But uh, what's your routine look like? Well, you know, I mean, when I'm not actually in the woods, uh, lift, run, that type of thing, uh, always doing something. There's not a day, you know, that goes by that I won't do something. But, you know, and try to gain as much weight as I can. I'm, I'm one of those guys that just, if I don't lift or anything, I get skinnier and skinnier. And I mean, I come out of the hunting season and people you're like, whoa, you know, you need to <laughs> let me call your wife and give her some money and tell her to feed you because, you know, what? I don't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, but it, I mean, it's, it's, it's bad in the other direction. I come out, my clothes don't fit, that type of thing. So it is like the off season or in between hunts, you know, try to get back like lifting. Um, but honestly, a lot of it is being in the mountains because I spend so much time in there so that I don't have to worry about cardio or, you know, legs or my lungs or anything like that. When you're in there, there's a better way to train for something than to do something. You want to be a good rock climber, you rock climb. You want to be a good mountain biker, right. you're not. Hunter, same thing. Get out there. There's no, you can train for the mountains, but there's, it's man, being in the mountains is the way to do it. You know, backpack yeah. on and just dealing with that misery day in and day out of lugging stuff around. Um, I haven't found the way to replicate that uh, out of the mountains. So, but I try, you know, you know, keep running yeah. and, and don't sit on my butt. That's for sure. So, yeah, you know, it's all you can do is, you know, beat on your legs and, just kind of beat on yourself for the most part and, you know, learn to embrace the soreness and, and kind of live with it. Cause you know, yeah. day two, day three of a, a nine day hunt, it, it starts hitting you pretty hard and oh, you does. just got to work through it. Cause you got a long week ahead of you. Yep. You mentioned losing, you mentioned losing weight. The very first time I went out, I think we were out for five and a half days and I lost almost 16 pounds that week. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just, over the years, I've I've kind of got my food dialed to where I can limit that to about eight to nine pounds now, but I'm still going to drop. Oh yeah, going to drop weight. You're always in a caloric deficit, you know, when you're in there. You just always. physically can't carry that amount. The amount of calories you need, depending on the hunts, you know, it's you're just yeah. not going to be able to carry that in, and you just try to, you know, limit it as much as possible. But man, yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, you start looking at you know your calorically the, the most calorically dense foods you can and stuff like that. And I mean, I'm. I've got a pretty good, I'm about a 34 to 3,500 average calorie per day right now. Um, but that's nowhere near what, you know, what we're burning when we're out there oh, yeah. covering miles and yep. versus elevation and all that stuff. So. That's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one. I don't know. Like I came out, I did a sheep hunt. Uh, was it 2020? Now I'm about 155 pounds soaking wet, you know, just normal. And I think I came out of there and it was, God, it was like 143 or something like that. It was, it was brutal for, you know, I mean, yeah. it was just, oh, it, I don't know. So <laughs> just came out and just ate anything I possibly could, but I'm a pretty lean eater anyway. So, you know, trying to keep inflammation down, all that type of stuff. So it can be tough to actually gain weight, but. Oh yeah. Yeah, for know. sure. It's, you got to pack it in when you're when you're trying to put it on, especially, you know, when you got the genetic tendencies that, you know, a guy like you has to be just thinner and leaner anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned bird hunt a little bit, doing some upland stuff. How's, how's that going? I know that's, that's something I've been, I see you and just a, a couple other guys kind of doing it out there in the high country. And it looks like an absolute blast. Oh, it's awesome. It's so much more like it's more social. You know, a lot of times I get out there, even if you're hunting with, you know, say you're out elk hunting with a buddy, like you're not talking that much. Maybe, you know, it's certain midday, you're glassing, that type of thing, but that's about it. But it's always quiet. It's, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, bird hunting is you're out with your bird dogs. So, you know, you love your dogs, you love to watch them enjoy what they're doing. So there's, that's a huge part of it. And then you get to go all of those cool areas. You go elk hunting or, or mule deer hunting, um, but you're running around with the shotgun and the dogs are running around and you're talking with your buddies and it's. I don't know. I love it. Like I, I grew up bird hunting back East and, uh, you know, it was nowhere near as good as out here, but, uh, it's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's a nice way to fill in, um, yeah. you know, times because you're not constantly big game hunting. And then right out my back door, I'm able to either, you know, when I'm in Colorado, jump out and go grouse hunting or down in Arizona, I could go out and, you know, there's quail everywhere. So you get to, you know, it's, it's, it's a great way just to continue the season, honestly, and, uh, and fill in days as well. So, yeah, I get some miles under your boots and you're, you know, less intense too because you're not packing around near the weight or anything like exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. But, 
Yep. Still getting out and getting some movement in. How yep. uh I've not done much bird hunting. We didn't have we didn't have the the birds back home in Indiana. Um so it's something that nobody in our family ever really did. Um but it's you know getting a couple shotguns these last couple of years. We've we've kind of talked about the ones I've picked up and stuff a little bit, but it's definitely something that I wanna I wanna try and get out and do. Chad and I have talked about getting out to South Dakota, maybe doing some pheasant here in a year or so or or something like that, kind of getting our feet wet with a little bit, but yeah, well, South Dakota is like a great place to do it. So, yeah, uh, a lot of what we have here in Indiana is is primarily put and take. You know, we've got uh, a couple mm-hmm. refuges that'll put birds out, and that's okay. But you know, when the dog goes out and basically trees a bird and it just sits there and looks at you, that kind of <laughs> takes away from it just a little bit. Yeah, it's yeah. it's more about it's more like you're saying it's it's kind of about the banter and and razzing all your buddies when they miss that bird that's just sitting still <laughs> well exactly yeah. and i mean think about it. if you get a shot on an elk or a couple shots in a season or whatever it is i mean hopefully it's you know whatever but when you're out bird hunting i mean you, you know some of the limits like you go out grouse hunting you got three birds in a day and you're gonna miss a couple and it's uh, yeah exactly you, you get a lot of a lot of shots it's not the pressure isn't there it's it's, it's just kind of it's, it's a lot more chill for sure yeah yeah, how uh, the views don't suck either. So no, no. <laughs> get up tarmacan hunting, and I'll tell you, there's some views. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, I bet we. I got a buddy up in Alaska who loves to get out after them. That's for oh, yeah. sure. They're a good time, and they're good eating too. So is is your passion for bird hunting what kind of drove you to start the business? Yeah, yeah, no, just like the general industry, you know, just uh. Honestly, what started is I had an idea. I thought I had an improvement on, you know, other products out there for gun cleaning products and uh, came up with it, prototyped it, um, got it to market just to see if it would take, you know, and uh, and it did. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it was one of those things I looked at, you know, when I was looking at different things I could do, I'm like, well, I, I want to do something that's going to get me out hunting more. I already had the, you know, the photography mm-hmm. behind me. So, I, you know, I got a little bit of base on that. So if I can market a product um, that would, that would get me out into the woods more. Well then, you know, that's a no brainer for me. It it, it gave me the ability to be able to hunt more. So yeah, that, you know, that was, that was definitely one of the reasons why I I chose that for sure. Yeah. Well, any bird trips become work trips. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Oh, I gotta go work this weekend. You know, I'm going to head out to Dakota and chase pheasant. Yeah. We got a marketing retreat. I just, (laughs) we gotta, we gotta go shoot some photos. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. So it it works out well. uh, The the look and the design, you know, the branding behind it and the design of the products and stuff. It just, I, I love the whole, for lack of a better term, vibe as much as that word's overused these days. But the whole, you know, kind of essence of the company is is just really awesome. No, I appreciate that. You know, that was kind of uh, like the idea in the beginning is like, you know, you pass down these firearms, you know, through the generations. They stay with us. They have memories attached to it. I wanted to make something that was high quality enough uh, that could be passed down through the generations as well. Like our mm-hmm. gun mat, you know, like that is something that it, mine's going to outlive me type of thing. The materials are, you know, the best that are out there. So that was the idea is to make the best of the best that's going to get passed down with the firearms, um, you know, and, and that was our demographic. And that happens to be a bit of the upland demographic as well. They're, you know, a little bit more money or maybe some of these guys are buying it. I mean, certainly not maybe like, you know, these five ten thousand $10,000 shotguns are laying on these mats. Like I wanted to offer yeah. them something more than just what was previously out there, like a mouse pad is essentially what it is, like a rollout mask, you know, and I wanted something a, yeah. a lot nicer um, and just uh, more practical as well. So. Yeah, well, and that's just it. You know, you've got the, the the higher end firearms and stuff like that. And I mean, as anal as I am about my my lower end stuff, when you start talking about these five, ten, fifteen thousand dollar Craig offs and stuff like that, like you don't want to just lay your shotgun down on the tailgate of the truck. So it's nice to have you know a, a high end, high quality mat and stuff like that where you can really take care of it and and get it cleaned up and and ready to stow away for a travel. You know, traveling things get beat up all the time. So. Totally. Yeah. And that's it. If you take care of these firearms, like they're going to last generations, you know, if you Mm -hmm. abuse them, you don't, you know, you don't clean them and they seize up on you. There's all types of issues. You're going to the, you know, the gunsmith and whatnot, but no, if you take care of these things, they're, they're, they're built to last. So that's kind of a cool thing behind it. I mean, like I have rifles from my grandfather and I remember, you know, going out in his, 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 uh, 
potato garden and there was groundhogs out there and I'd shoot them with him because they were, you know, eating all of his potatoes and he's an old time <laughs> farmer, but there was a memory attached to that. And, you know, I still have that gun and that's going to get passed down to my son or daughter. And I don't know, it, it just made sense to me to help people make it super easy. So it's really easy, fast to clean your firearms. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be this whole process, um, but just to be able to take care of them. So they are able to be passed down through the generations. Now, when you, when you look at your product line and where you're at now, um, are, do you have plans to expand it and take it a little bit further? I mean, where's, where's your vision at as far as where you, where you're pointing? Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, we want to continue not just with, uh, like cleaning products, but to protect your firearms. That's why we got into the gun cases. You know, I prototyped one for, um, for bows as well. That kind of goes along that same line, that wax canvas, crazy horse leather wool on the interior, um, I've prototyped that. And I'm like, well, you know, I, maybe we could expand the, not just firearms, but your weapons, you know, it's because I am so much into the bow hunting. I think it'd be, you know, there is certain things I want with bow cases that I don't think are available out there that maybe right. we could, you know, fulfill for our customers. Um, so, you know, maybe expanding into some of that stuff and continuing the gun cleaning line as well. We got a couple ideas and uh, a couple different style cases, maybe like a takedown case, um, you know, couple different ideas in there but yeah we're gonna we're gonna slowly expand it you know just make sure it's a small enough company where i just don't want to throw stuff out there and then you know it's crap and you know like i like to take my time put maybe one or two products out really get some good <laughs> feedback before we go to market um you know get handed over to my buddies let them go beat on it see what's wrong with it and then you know come back and fix it so you know i, I like that slow and steady type of thing yeah yeah work out all the bugs before you bring it out and well, yeah, that's it. Cause you get yourself a bad name in a hurry. If you just throw something out there and people are like, man, eh, they make crap, you know, and that's definitely not something yeah. I want to do. So now, now thumbing through your Instagram profile, man, you've, you have kind of developed a signature style of editing all on your, you've got some, you've got some pretty cool stuff in there. I will not lie to you. Um, when did, you know, photography and, and all that really take off for you? Let's kind of, let's kind of touch on that side of it. Yeah. Um, right after high school, went into a community college for a couple of years. I screwed off in high school too much. Uh, so I went to a community college and then I took um, some photography classes as one of the electives. And this was back like this was just I think digital was just just getting kind of started, but didn't really have a foothold. And they wanted to teach anyway. So we were, we were doing the um, you know film and developing our own film. And it was all black and white because that was a cheaper way to do it. Uh, so that started then, uh, and then went off and on and I did it a little bit during my, um, when I was out, uh, rock climbing, but really got back into it probably about 10 years ago. But, uh, you know, my, my previous job before Sage and Breaker and, um, was, uh, I was a motion designer. So it was in the design world, doing video editing, motion graphics, that type of thing. And that also entailed, you know, going out and shooting some video and some stills to be able to supplement uh, uh, whatever assets we were given uh, to make these videos. Uh, so, you know, that was kind of the background in it, but getting out hunting really pushed it a little bit further just because it gives you time. It, it, I don't know. Hunting really works well with photography. You're out there, you're, you know, you're up it's sun, way before sunrise and you're going to sleep after sunset. So right there, you got the golden hour in the morning and the evening. So you got Absolutely. great lighting. Now, sometimes you're fighting, you know, you, you should be glassing and you're taking pictures instead, but <laughs> you know, whatever, figure it out. You hunt with somebody yeah. else and you have them glass. I don't know. Uh, and you know, and there's a lot of downtime as well, you know, midday. And then you could kind of like, well, what else am I going to do? I could either take a nap or I could go take some pictures. So, uh, you know, it just started progressing with that. And I don't know, I just really, I like design. I like photography, that type of thing. And, uh, I just, it just became a passion. And then I made the commitment that, you know, anytime I go on a hunt, I'm going to, uh, you know, take pictures, take my good cameras with me, that type of thing. I was doing a bit of blogging. I still do. And you know, that was really for the kids. Cause I wanted like, you know, as I get older, sometimes you, you look back on stories and you're like, Oh, that was awesome. You're like, no, it really wasn't at the time. It sucked at the time. And I wanted to be able to write about that. You know what I mean? But then I needed the visual aids to go with it as well. So you could kind of look out there and like, no, it was miserable. It was, it was pouring the whole time we were out there. It was, you know, freezing or whatever it was. Um, so, you know, I took the camera with me to be able to capture that and to be able to, you know, give some visual aids to the writing. Very nice. Yeah. Well, and on the, on the 
backpack hunting side of being a photographer, now you're packing an extra 15 pounds a year. I know. Anyway. I know. Yeah, I mean, it, tripod it, it, lenses and yeah. 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 You try to minimize that. You know, you, I'm able to use one tripod for, you know, your, your spotting scope and your binocs. I sometimes set them on the tripod and then I yeah. have that in there already. So then I could use that for the camera. But yeah, you're still carrying in, you know, your camera lenses batteries the case you know that which takes up room so yeah, yeah you know <laughs> now how many how many lenses <laughs> do you typically carry with you when you go on a trip like that i typically take two i'll take a uh, um a 16 to 35 so that's like my wide mm -hmm. angle and then i'll take a 70 mm -hmm. to 300 for the the zoom okay yeah yeah to really be able to get you know a little bit more distance and suck in the backgrounds to the uh, foreground elements so those two lenses i'd love to take more but you know you, you got to cut it off somewhere so absolutely yeah absolutely we've yeah. uh we've kind of been battling that with kayak fishing here this summer trying to zach's got a what is it 70 to 200 and then uh or 35 200 right 35 to 150 and a 16 to 35 so i yeah. i cover a pretty good gap with with some fairly compact lenses for what they are yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. Well, and they're you getting can, better and better too. You know, I mean, a lot, especially these mirrorless cameras, you know, that since they've mm -hmm. switched over from like the SLRs, they've gotten smaller, more compact. You know, I, I switched over to a Sony because of that, you know, reason of in the beginning. And then, you know, and the lenses aren't as quite as bad either, depending on what you buy. Um, so it's getting better, but it's still, still wait, you know? Yeah. There's, there's days. So I had the, the Canon 60D was like my first one. And then I went into the mirrorless side with the uh the sony a6300 so it was you know the micro four thirds and there's days i wish i still had that tiny little camera body back because that thing was so <laughs> compact and small and you could get such a good product out of it but i just you know the the full frame bug was kind of in the back of the head and and now sure. with the a7 III, but things got a lot bigger when i went full frame that's for sure oh, i know i know and then you're talking hard drives you're talking you know more processing power there's all yeah it, it all adds mm -hmm. up for sure yep the desk behind me is stacked you can't see it which is probably a good thing but there's <laughs> plenty laying around back there oh, yeah. yep yeah but it's fun it, it uh, like you said it adds to it adds to the hobby and you know there's downtimes in hunting and fishing anytime you're really outdoors and, and engaged in something you know there's there's always a slow moment when it's just nice to sit back with the camera and, and capture it in a different way yeah yeah and i mean i don't know for for memories you know typically we have a pretty you know pretty crappy memories as humans and like you could see some of this stuff like i look back at my you know and honestly i use it a lot of times to remember what the heck i do you know i'll go back through and i'm like no oh, 20 you know like 2015 what was i doing then and you go through your photos you're like oh that's right i did this hunt and i did that hunt and yeah, yeah i don't know it's a cool way of just kind of you know just building something where you, you could look back at your life and uh you know really appreciate mm -hmm. what you've done so now I know I've started my canvas wall here in my room. Well, there's multiples going on here. Do you print them out large format and hang them up anywhere? I don't, you know, I wish I did. I think it's just sheer laziness. Um, I don't, I haven't <laughs> printed anything yet and I, I do need to, um, but no, I haven't. Everything's I, just digital at this point. I just, yeah, I'm the same way. Started. I'm the same way. I've got a few that I'm like, man, that really deserves to be printed, but I'm like, I just never do. <laughs> I never do get around to it. And do it. I know. I know. But I think Costco does them pretty cheap. My wife keeps telling me, she's like, just do it at Costco. You can just upload it there and they'll just ship it yeah. to you. And that's what I do. These are, these are Walmart canvases in here, boys. Oh, they, they, they ain't high end. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you, you know, it's not going into art gallery. It's going in your house and that's the right. Now I, I can say some of those glass photos, um, Chris Funk, one of the guys that's listening to us right now, he has had a gla couple glass photos printed and Oh my gosh, they're really? absolutely beautiful. I think it's fractured that does it. And Oh my gosh, some of the sunsets and things off glass. Yeah. It's yeah, I've beautiful. seen it printed on metal. I think they do it on yeah. like a bunch of different things. It's really cool. And I should experiment with that, but I just I haven't yet. And fractured, yeah, if you're listening other... to this podcast, there's three of us that would like to work with you. <laughs> <laughs> he uh one of the one of the other guys I know in the industry, he's he's had a couple of grizzly photos done on metal prints and they just they look awesome. Yeah, that really just a little bit of metallic look, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. super cool. 
in the photography side, you've got such a signature look to your images. Like it doesn't matter where that photo is at. If I see it, I know it's one of yours. How did you kind of develop that, that look? I know, you know, as I'm still working my way through Lightroom and kind of working on colors and things like that, I've, I kind of let a photo dictate which way I go with it sometimes, but you kind of seem to get a really consistent look with all of your photos. How'd you, how'd you settle on that? Uh, it was just, you know, honestly screwing around. I mean, I it just hopping in Lightroom. Um, you know, I kind of like that real old time kind of Western look, mm -hmm. you know, where you're not, where the blacks really aren't that crushed. You're popping those up a little bit, getting those more towards, you know, dark grays, um, you know, it, muting down the uh, the blues, getting the luminance down a good bit on those. I, I it just I, it's just playing around, you know. Honestly, just seeing yeah. what I liked, what I didn't like, um, and then just slowly changing it over time. Because that's the thing is, you can't really just all of a sudden like go completely different. People are like, oh, that's not your look anymore. So you know, changing that over time. Like I can look back to some photos maybe a couple years ago, and you know where. I did a little bit something different with it. Um, but no, it was just, you know, just kind of preference. It's just what I like to see, um, you know, and then just developed it that way, but no, no real rhyme or reason just cause it just, I liked it. That's all. Yeah. It's a super cool, just kind of a low contrast, desaturated, but still crisp and sharp, slight noise sometimes just to give it kind of that old feel, but yeah. yeah let's, like uh, let's do a, let's do a quick little share screen here. I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw your Instagram <laughs> account up here. Uh-oh. Here we go. There we go. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> this is a first. I'm getting high tech I'm, over here. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. Now, I'm, I want to see how you do this. Good luck. There we go. You guys see that one? We don't. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do it right. Let's see. Entire screen window. window Just waiting window. for the there big reveal. Share. Oh, look at us. There we go. Nope. Now we're on it. Now there we're is. on it. So let's let's talk about this. This is the first one that I seen and it just like this is cool. Okay. Oh, yeah. That one's that one's gonna go a little bit beyond beginner. So that's a, a little, <laughs> I don't know, Fred. That happens to me all the time. Well, I mean, yeah. So what I did is just threw everything there and I jumped backwards. No, this was all yeah. stage, obviously. Um, but there's that's a lot of Photoshop work. So what I mm -hmm. did is I can't really point, but under my rear end there, um, what I did is I had a stool, just, you know, typical, what is that? Maybe three foot high bar stool type of thing. Mm -hmm. Put that out there. I laid on that. So I'm laying backwards, right? And un But then I use my jacket to cover it a good bit. So it kind of looked natural. And I'm laying horizontal. Now, mind you, I all these pretty much all the pictures I do, I don't have anybody else out there with me because nobody wants to spend time going into the mountains doing ridiculous stuff like this. <laughs> So I I'm will. Gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so I have my my phone, which then triggers my shutter, you know, and I give it like a two second or ten second delay, depending on how hard, you know, time I need. Right. And I trigger that. So then I'm laying back there and I have my hands up in the air doing that type of thing. So that's how I got me. For the boot, I'm standing over by the side and I'm triggering. Let me see where my camera is. Uh, you know, I have my in my phone in one hand and I'm, and I'm triggering and then I drop the boot, making sure I'm not behind that boot. And I drop the boot in the air for the uh, bow. I hold it with my hand and then I'm able to paint that out. And then what you end up doing afterwards is you clear everything out of there and you just take the picture of the background. Now, all those uh, elements that you do not want in there, you could paint that background with a brush using a mask in Photoshop you paint right. in what you don't want to see, which would be the stool, which would be me in the shot dropping the boot, which would be me holding the bow. Um, you're able to paint that stuff out. So that's how I get a lot of these. You know, this is one of them where I've done that. I've done that. Uh, maybe you've seen the one where I'm jumping a fence. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, there it is. Yeah. There it yeah. Is. So like that, or that's a buddy jumping a fence. So again, I have a still image of the background without him in there. And then I have him jumping and now it's a real pain in the ass, like on the left side where I got to paint the bow, the individual arrows and the, the, mm -hmm. the veins over top of them, but I'm painting one image over the next. So trying to describe it as best I can, maybe it makes sense to some yeah. people out there that have been in uh, Photoshop and kind of get that yeah. masking thing. Um, but the thing is you really want to do with a lot of these is get that. It's called a clean plate is getting that background. Right. Where you're able to use that then to paint in or paint out elements actually that you don't want. In yeah. There. 
that that part of it makes a lot of sense. It's been a while since I've messed around in Photoshop a ton, but I, I know exactly between you know the layers and all that. I know I know exactly how you're. And your page has got. A, you're going about that. It's film, definitely man. work, especially when you're by yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, that's yeah. one of the biggest challenges is, you know, I, I solo hunt a lot because I get to hunt a lot. And, you know, a lot of people don't have the same, the guys I hunt with don't have the same schedule as I do. So I hunt with people yeah. sometimes, buddies sometimes, but a lot of times, honestly, I'm out there solo. Um, but still being able to capture these images um, yeah. when you're by yourself, it, it, it could be difficult. But uh, being able to connect your phone, that's the key. Being able to mm-hmm. connect your phone to your camera. And being able to pretty much control your camera through your phone, that's the that's the crucial part. Well, I think you and I have chatted about that a bit, because are you still running the A7 II? I am, you know, and I do have the 4 as well, but the 4 doesn't let you, whereas the 2, you could go on your phone, mm-hmm. and then you could push on the screen where you want it to focus. You mm-hmm. can't do that for whatever reason. They didn't. They didn't continue that that option with the four. And maybe they have new ones out now that do. The three doesn't do it either. I know it drove, it drove me nuts. I bought that two or the four is uh, essentially a backup for video. Um, when I'm shooting video yeah. for the company, I need two different angles, so I you know I just need the two camera bodies. Um, right. But when I go on the backcountry, I'm using the older body just because. Otherwise, what you're doing is manually focusing, trying to put something out there like a stick. Focusing mm-hmm. on that and then making sure you're perfect. It's it's a ridiculous way of doing it's it. And I mean so it's so hard. To it skip really that is. feature blows my mind. I mean, they dropped the ball on that without a doubt. It's yeah. It's, so if somebody's I, out there looking for a camera, make sure that A, you're able to control it, which I think almost all of them now you can control with your phone. Right. But make sure it's a touch focus on there. Um, because otherwise yeah. you're, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, I think we've we've had that conversation a few times because I'm like, how in the heck are you doing this, dude? <laughs> like, I, I'm doing the remote shutter with my phone, but I cannot get the focus to work. And that's we, yeah. we figured it out that the, the support was lost with the A7 III. I'm like, why would they not carry that yeah. over? So, I mean, you know, for, for hunters especially, then I bet those A7 R2s, those, you know, those bodies are going to go quick because of <laughs> I can't, you know, that's the only one that I know of or, or the newest one that I know of that does that. So, yeah, well, and you could probably pick one up cheap, too. Yeah, yeah. I they're pretty old but at this point and they're fine. You know, like yeah. that's that's the thing is like, you know, do you need that much more resolution? They, they had the previous batteries, which didn't do as they well stopped. as the yeah. once yeah. they went to the a seven threes. They really fixed the battery life because, yeah, the, with the a sixty three hundred, it was the same way. The, the batteries were awful. Yeah. And that is the two you got to. uh um yeah, I just carrying a ton of batteries. That's all. Now yeah. talking talking about cameras and all this, and and knowing that you're in the backwoods and and all that for numbers of days at a time, give us uh, give us some tips on how you're keeping things charged up. Because I mean, obviously, it's not easy. These Sony batteries take forever to charge. Yeah. Um, so give us a little bit of insight there. I don't, you know, I I don't shoot video when I'm back there. So that doesn't burn much. Uh, and if I am shooting video, it's, um, I'm using the, the four. So mm-hmm. that, that battery life's a lot better. And I could bring in like three or four of those batteries. Uh, so otherwise, you know, with bringing in the, uh, a seven R two, I'm just bringing in a bunch of batteries. I'm not recharging back there. So I'm just, yeah. but with, you know, the stills, it's not too bad. It, right. You know, you could get some and they're light enough, you know, I'll bring in five or six of them. Uh, yeah. And just be careful with it that I'm not screwing around and, you know, trying to use the eyepiece more than the, the actual screen. So, um, you know, you just be yeah, I, went, I went from eight batteries on a nine day trip with my A6300 to three batteries on my A7 III. Yeah. On a yeah. Trip. Oh, they're night and day. Yeah. The, the newer yeah. batteries are so much better. Pro, pro tip, always take your batteries and put them in your sleeping bag with you at night. Yeah, that's a crucial <laughs> one too. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. To that's another one. And I have a buddy that does a lot of um, skiing. And what he what they end up doing is they'll keep it in close to the body and they'll put um, hand warmers. They'll tape hand warmers around yep. if it's yeah. real cold. I mean, that's, you know. That, real cold. Yeah, that cold will zap them for sure. We've done yeah. that a time or two. Yeah, yeah. do what you got to do, yeah. But it, uh, it keeps them good. It keeps it... Uh, Keeps you moving. That's for sh- for sure. So, what are what are some of your goals that you've got left uh, as far as hunting and and the different places that you still want to go that maybe you haven't been yet? I, you know, I definitely want to get back to New Zealand. That was uh, that was awesome. I have some I have some animals I still want to get back there. Uh, 
so that one would be definitely on the agenda for next year. Uh, get up to Alaska. I haven't hunted Alaska yet. That's, ton, that's, that's one that's on the list for sure. We're supposed to go next fall, so we'll see how it goes. But Nice, nice. Yeah, it's just – it's the logistics, you know, it's, it's, it's a good yeah. bit more, but I mean, anything is anything worth, and that's also your barrier to entry, you know? So a lot of other people aren't willing to put that work in. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure it's worth getting up there, but yeah, I'd say Alaska, get back to New Zealand. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, Africa doesn't really much interest me. I, you know, I just want to be able to do like wherever it's some good backcountry stuff, but, uh, primarily mm -hmm. those two right now is really what I'm looking at. And then whatever tags I could pull, you know, this year I lucked out and got two really good tags. So, yeah. you know, which is good because this is my last year as a Colorado resident. Uh, yeah, I was right. real, real happy. I pulled some of these. So, uh, <laughs> And that Burn was one those of the points as a resident. Back. Yeah, I was, you know, we have our place up there and we're in between Arizona. And then I'm back up to Colorado, I'm, you know, jumping them back and forth between the two houses. And, uh, but that was one of the factors I was telling my wife, I'm like, oh, I'm going to see if these tags come through this year. And if they don't, well, then maybe we can you know, switch over our residency. But I'm like, no, no, pulled two good yeah. ones. So, yeah, burn those points before you're out the door. I know, I know, that's for sure. So, lucked we, out this we, year. Yeah, we've we've had a little bit of a challenge trying to draw a couple of our our goal units these last few years, and our points keep climbing. And now we're like, well, maybe we should start looking at a different unit that you know, because the, the the unit we've been trying to draw without giving away locations and all that, but it it shouldn't take the amount of points it does. It's just that the point creep these last four or five yeah. years has really really taken off. I know, I made, know, it's getting tough. And Colorado seems to keep switching every year, and I'm well, a lot of the states are. I know Arizona's now. That I just saw, I got a notice in that um, that OTC tag is not going to be OTC for out of staters anymore for the deer hunt. Wow! Yeah, they switched that, so that's going to be a cap on that. Um, and then now they're doing it like where a lot of other states, um, like Wyoming, where they uh, what's called there's like a certain amount you got to call in each day for bear, you know. And if it hits the cap of females or whatever it is, then then the unit's closed. Well, they're going to be doing that with deer as well down here. So once that unit hits a certain amount. So it's, you know, all these states are changing so fast and it's kind of tough to keep up with it. Keep and up I know, with it all, yeah. I know. Colorado's talking like, you know, more and more of those units are not going to be OTC anymore. It's more of them are going to go mm -hmm. towards draw. So be yeah. interesting to see. Well, and they're talking about, you know, which to a certain extent, because they are what one of, if not the last state that does not limit over-the-counter tags for right. non-residents. So they're talking yeah. about starting to put caps on that. And I'm like, eh, might yeah. not be where I can hunt every year if I'm, you know, staying on res. So I know, I know. Well, and that's it. It's just, it's, it's applying to a bunch of States. That's really what it's yeah. coming down to trying to find a good hunt. You know, we could, each year you could get a decent hunt. Uh, I think it's what's going to come down to Cause it's, it's crazy. I mean, you hunt Colorado too. Like some of those OTC units, it's just, it's just not fun. You know, you're just, yeah. it's, you're hunting other hunters. Like you're calling in people more than you're calling in. Yeah, we've not had too bad of an issue, um, but I know some guys who have said that where they get to the trailhead and there's 10 trucks and they do nothing but see hunters all week. And I'm yeah. like, we've been, I feel like we've been very fortunate in that respect to not have that issue um, since I've been hunting out there. 2015 was my first year. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, I, that, I, I count ourselves pretty fortunate in that respect. Yeah. And that mentality where it used to be just out hike the other guys. That is so mm -hmm. long gone. There is no such I'm... thing anymore. Everybody's <laughs> a backcountry hunter. Everybody's yeah. running like Cam Haynes. You know, it's yeah. funny. There's there's times I, I've gotten to the point where I'm I'm that in between zone where you know we used mm -hmm. to go a bunch of miles back, and then all of a sudden you're with a dozen other guys. You're like, geez, you know, yeah. you're that in between where you're not quite road hunting, but you're not backcountry. You're in that in between, and then you just run that line down the mountain. You know, about three four miles in, and it yeah. seems to be. A little bit better. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe that. You know, the popularity will switch back. I'm sure it goes. You I, know, ebbs and flows. I blame. I blame Snyder. <laughs> oh, Snyder! You got to keep it quiet, buddy. I tell you. Oh, well. Now, do you yeah. guys feel like the the steps in the conservation with the changes in the tags and different things are are a step in the right direction? I think so. You know, it's yeah. I think these animals are getting pushed around a, a good bit. You know, they're definitely concerned about, you know, so many people being in there during the rut, you know, and that they're actually, we're, we're causing an issue in there. So I, I don't know. It's, you know, the greedy side of me says, no, no, it's fine. Everything's good. Just keep, you know, keep giving those tags. And 
But you know, how long is that going to last? Especially the popularity is just skyrocketed. It's not the numbers it yeah. was even five years ago with the people in yeah. the woods, you know. So I, I think we're going to have to, you know, like say that there's unlimited tags in a unit that if everybody in the whole U.S. wanted to hunt in there that year, they could as bananas. You know, it's just it's mm -hmm. not sustainable. Now, do yeah, you the selfish, the selfish side of me says, you know, leave it as is so I can continue to hunt it every right. year. But at, at what point does this, you know, become more of a non-renewable resource and the, you know, population start dwindling? I mean, we've seen it just in the last two years where the elk aren't nearly as vocal during yeah. that week leading up to the rut or even during the rut as, as they were three, four years ago. And it's, it's definitely got us wondering, you know, and it's, yeah. it's a resource we want to, you know, be around for your kids and mine to be able to enjoy it as well. So that's now, it, obviously yeah. Yeah, the COVID boom, uh, yeah. we're going to call it the COVID boom because that's what it was. <laughs> uh, we got a lot more people on the water, in the woods, buying campers, buying tents. They got outside. People got outside more during that time period. Um, do you guys feel like it will transition back? You know, dad, all of a sudden he doesn't have the time that he did because little Johnny's playing baseball or little Susie's got a basketball, you know, league again. Do you feel like that switches back or do you think people stay outside? Tough to predict. you know, it's, it's, you know, maybe people saw what a good thing it was and what they were missing, you know, when, as soon as COVID hit and then all of a sudden you're like, you're not working for a little bit or you're working from home and, and then you get out there and you're taking the family out and you have more time to do that stuff. I think, I think that's changed everything. You know, that's changed. I think a lot of people's careers that maybe a lot of people don't want to go back to the office. Um, you know, and, and does that also mean that everybody's going to stay in the woods? Possibly. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. It's, it's I think, I think there, there's definitely going to be some that'll stick, I think, but yeah. I, it's I, human tendencies to be, or get complacent and not put in the work necessary to do certain things. I think you'll probably see some of the numbers taper off. Just well, and I theory. think, you know, this, this little bit of inflation too, will taper yeah. some of those numbers off um, just a little bit because people aren't going to go as far. I mean, you know, from my standpoint as a, as a fisherman, I already see less boats on the water. Um, oh yeah. And those boats are going less far. The, you know, they're <laughs> the ones that are out there tending the, Ten in the park, you know, we was out there Fourth of July weekend, mm -hmm. and man, what was the weekend before the fourth? We didn't see another boat till ten o'clock, and we was on one of our big lakes here in Indiana on the southern part, and that's unheard of to be out there till ten o'clock and not see another boat, especially where we was at. Yeah, um, that lake. Yeah, so you know, I think it's I think it's going to be hit and miss. Uh, you know, obviously people are going to go as long as they can afford to go, but then that might scale them back and. You know, people's interests change, I think, over time, too. You know, I mean, we've all seen it. You've got some of the some of the buddies that we used to run around with. Then all of a sudden they're not there anymore. They, you know, they kind of fell out of it where you've kind of stayed driven and, and kept on going. Well, it helps that your new boat's powered by snacks and not gas, too. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like snacks. Snacks are good. Snacks uh, and coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Co sure. Coffee's good outside, no matter how you no matter how you get it. If you bring it to the water, or if you make it at the water, or in the woods, as long as you make it on an Orion cooler, folks. <laughs> that, oh, good plug, good plug. I paid bills right there. There it is. Yeah. So, all right, man, Fred. We're kind of running out of time. We're getting a couple minutes away from our hour mark here. So first things first, tell the people where to find out more about you, more to find out about the business, and then thank the people that you need to thank. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Instagram primarily for the photography, and that's just Fred Bohm, it's B-O-H-M, uh, or you could fredbohm.com as well. That's where I have my blog, and then my uh, gun cleaning company that makes uh, gun cleaning products is Sage and Breaker. It's B R A K E R. You can find us online, or you could also find uh, the photography for them as well on Instagram. So, no, guys, I appreciate you having me on, and you know, just being able to run my mouth for a little while. So, uh, no, much appreciated. Always right. fun to swap stories, man. Uh, it's it's been awesome. I know we've chatted online a lot, so it's it's good to finally talk in person a little bit. 
or absolutely yeah. semi semi in person. <laughs> See, look at that. Good things come out of uh, social media. I tell you, yes, Not absolutely, absolutely. No, well, Ron podcast. It's it's a beacon of light into your every other Tuesday. I there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Fred. We're going to drop you down below. Sign off, and we will be right back with you, sir. All right. There we have it. Episode number. What are we on? 12? 12, 12, I think. Yeah, it says it up there in the corner. So, <laughs> yeah. This is a good one. I enjoyed that. That was, a, that was a real good. That was a blast. It was. It was good. We've got to talk about cameras. We've got to talk about Upland game, which is something that mm, we've got a slight hankering for. Uh, another. Oh, bat. yeah. That's a bad habit we both need right there. I'm sure our wives will love it when that one takes I, off. I got two over and under shotguns that are begging for some exercise. So, yeah. and you know, you and I both know that Upland photography is probably one of my favorites. So, well, I don't think, I don't think this is going to work as a bird dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was watching TV during this whole podcast. So, no, there was a there was a long period of time where we was muted. And she was <laughs> she was squeaking her toy, so. But anyway, yeah, I don't I don't think she's she's quite ready for open uh, yet. But no, uh, probably not. Well, guys, we will be back in action two weeks. Well, not next Tuesday, but the twenty sixth. We'll be back. We're going to be episode thirteen <laughs> of the Orion Podcast. We'll be right here, eight o'clock, Tuesday, July twenty sixth. We'll see you then. See you then. Yeah. Thanks for watching. Check us out on Spotify. Later. <laughs>